We've been talking about Joseph and how this is a story about God speaking over his life and it taking years for it to manifest. But it is my, my, the title of the sermon has been being used by God. Joseph was going to be used by God. Joseph knew it. Joseph's daddy knew it. God knew it. Right. All right. Have you ever heard of the phenomenon going from rags to riches? Well, Joseph went from riches to rags. I think that I think that we could we would probably relate to that with the state of the, the way that our economy has been. Uh, but Moses experienced it when he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He immediately went from riches to rags, choosing to be mistreated rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That's from Hebrews 11. But before that, it was Joseph's turn. And I've to talk to you guys a little bit about Joseph being a type of Christ. Many other people from the Bible are known as types of Christ from the Old Testament. It, it, and uh, Hebrews 10.1 says, It's a shadow of good things that are coming, but not the realities themselves. What do I mean? Some of these personalities from the Old Testament may have been seen as a, a type of Christ. For instance, Abel was a type of Christ. Isaac, the son of Abraham, was a type of Christ. Moses was a type of Christ, as was Joshua and Samuel and David. But tonight we're going to look at how Joseph was a type of Christ and how he was a type of Christ in more than one way. But we see it in particular right here at the beginning of the story because he becomes a victim of his brother's jealousy and cruelty. Right? They hated him. Why? Because he had on this obnoxious jacket that said, my daddy likes me better than he likes you guys. Amen. And it's natural. I think that if we were in that same circle, we probably wouldn't love Joseph either. It's it's I know it's hard to put yourself in those shoes, but get real for a minute. You know, we would probably be right there. You know, Scripture says that if we were there when Christ was killed, we probably would have sat back and watched also. I would hope that I wouldn't, but I. I can mess up like the best of them. Amen. All right. Let's have some re a reality check for a minute. But it was true that Joseph's brother's reaction was normal. You might even say they couldn't even help feeling like they did. But we have got to face the fact that sin was at the bottom of it all. Sin makes us all want to justify what we do. Sin is inherited from our parents and from our parents' parents. And the most natural feeling is to say, have you ever, have you ever said this? I didn't, I didn't bring myself into this world. It's not my fault. I didn't ask to be here. We all have a way of rationalizing our sin and trying to explain it as I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask to be a sinner. And if we can, let's have kind of an apt definition of Christian. And I've been doing this the last few weeks. I've been giving you different kinds of definitions of Christians. A few weeks ago, I told you that I felt like that a Christian was somebody that did something. We can say the right things, but are you doing anything? Are you showing any fruit? Are you bearing any fruit? Would anybody around you say, He's a Christian, not because he says it all the time, 
I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But he shows me by the way that he acts. Scripture says that you'll be known by what you do, not by what you say. Right? But tonight, let's look at it a little bit different. A Christian is one who takes responsibility for his own sins and quits blaming his, quit blaming his troubles on his parents, on people, or on society. What about that? When this begins to happen, we begin to see our sin and begin to deal with ourselves. We start becoming closer to a Christian. I don't even know that I like that term. Remember what a Christian is? It's a God follower. Not just like a duck that follows behind, but follows in what he does. Becomes who he is. I was talking to somebody today at lunch about how we become who our parents are. We can try really hard not to, but we do. Don't we? We can maybe break some of the mold, but I am a chip off of that block. I am what I am. I tell marriage, when I'm marriage counseling, I sit down and talk to them and I'm like, what's their parents like? Because that's what you're marrying. How about that? It is. You know what? I'm a lot like my mother and I'm a lot like my father. And it's scary. But it's good. But we are a chip off the block. And that's what we are to be with Jesus. When we give our heart to the Lord, we should start to become like the one we follow. Like the one that's paid our debt. Like the one that is making every provision for us. That's why it's so important that we get to know who he is so we can start to be like he is. So that we can start to change. So let's look at this. Um, we must see that we have sinned before God. Which, and we've got to understand that before we can ever be saved. The attitude that his brothers had toward Joseph was exactly the way that men looked at Jesus. They emerged against the life of Jesus. The, emerged against the life of Jesus was a conspiracy to lower him to nothing. And this happened when Judas Iscariot, of course, betrayed Jesus. Judas went to the priests who took Jesus to Herod and then to Pilate. And the whole thing was a conspiracy, the same way of what's happening to Judas. They are conspiring against him. What did they say? Do you remember what the brothers say? Hey, here he comes. Let's slay him. Let's get him. But another element in the conspiracy of Joseph was that he was mocked. You know, Jesus was mocked. Joseph was mocked. You remember what they said? Uh oh, look who's coming. The dreamer. It says, The dreamer cometh. Um, I've already messed up on my slides. I said that scripture just a minute ago. And here it says, And they said to one another, Behold, here comes the dreamer. They're, they're not trying to be prophetic or respect the calling, they're making fun of him. Hey, everybody, look, here comes the dreamer. Why were they mocking? They were jealous. Even Pilate knew the Jews had reduced Jesus to nothing because of jealousy and envy. They tried to come up with witnesses against Jesus, but they couldn't find any. The next similarity to Christ and the brothers 
uh, treatment of Joseph was their cover-up. Let's look here again. It says, Come now, therefore, and let us slay him. Cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. They wanted to cover it up. They would not come to their father and tell the truth. They would say some evil beast has killed him. You know, once you've deliberately decided to commit a sin, a second sin will always follow. And it'll usually be a lie. You can't keep a sin going without a lie. Lying follows sinning. And this happened in the conspiracy against Jesus. False witnesses were brought in. They wanted to cover up their own hostility, their own jealousy, their motives. So they brought in somebody to lie. But Numbers 32 verse 23 says, your sin will find you out. You you may think you're going to get away with it, but I'm telling you, you will eventually come to the end. Another sin of Joseph's brothers was their attempt of self-justification. The desire to clear ourselves is a fault that we all have. They said, we shall see what comes of his dreams. These brothers could only justify their conspiracy if they could prove the dreams to be wrong. They want... What is what does I'm going to throw out a term that's a a real questionable term, but we're not going to go down that road. But what does this dream suggest? It suggests predestination. He has said what's going to happen to the brothers. This is what's going to happen to you. If it's true, you're going to bow to me. And if the brothers can prove him wrong. You kind of see what I'm getting at. They're going to say, well, you didn't hear from God. God didn't say that because this didn't happen. These brothers could justify their conspiracy. If you can abort predestination, you've proven the dream was not really from God. And Joseph obviously believed his dream. He said, I've dreamed a dream and it will be fulfilled. Therefore, you are going to bow to me. Try taking that from your little brother. I don't have a little brother, but I couldn't take that probably from my older brother. I don't have an older brother. I have an older sister. And I definitely couldn't have taken it from my older sister. (laughs) Nor could they have taken it from me. So the brothers wanted to to destroy Joseph to show that his dreams were false. You remember what they said? We shall see what will become of your dreams. And this is the way the Jews looked at Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. Look at what it says. Let's see. It says, if thou be the son of God come down from the cross. They're trying to prove that Jesus isn't the son of God. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. What are they saying? They're they're playing both sides of the fence. They're saying, come on down and we'll get on board with you. We'll, We'll act like we were always with you. If you're the son of God, come down. But they're trying to justify hanging him on the cross. I can justify killing the son of God because the son of God didn't save himself. And we all know the son of God would have saved himself. Am I shooting over your head or? or... Okay. I don't want to do that. 
I have been preached over and preached around, and I don't, I don't like that. But if I can kind of build a case here for you. Where was I? If they'll be the son of God. They were justifying themselves, trying not to feel guilty about nailing Jesus to the cross. They said, if Jesus is who he says he is, we don't have to worry about anything. He'll just come down from the cross. Then we'll clap our hands and say, we're with you. We think you're great. Now we believe. But when Jesus didn't do that, it cleared them in their eyes. That's why men today are so anxious to destroy the Bible. They want to disprove it for the same reasons. You don't have to worry. You don't have to get right with God because the God of the Bible has written a book full of errors. So there's no need for you to worry about heaven or hell. Let me encourage you. I read a book or I have kind of skimmed a book of um, atheists trying to prove that there is no God. And what happened is many of those atheists came to God. It it says not to test God. But I would encourage you to try to prove the word of God true. That's one of his, he he says that he's, he's faithful. He wants to prove himself faithful to you. He's always faithful. And I have always found that if I have ever tried God's word, it's been true every time. 100%. Some of the things that I am trying to work through with God hasn't come through yet, but it's not proved unfaithful or untrue. It's always true. It's always true. But one more similarity. And it's something I want to call respectable neutrality. Say, what do you mean? Reuben, the oldest brother. Heard what the others were planning to do. They were, what were they going to do? They were going to kill Joseph and say some evil beast has devoured him. And Reuben saved Joseph by pulling rank. Now, he's, he's not the strongest. He's not the biggest, but he's the oldest brother. And back in that day, the oldest brother had some pull. Right? Birth order was very important. And what did he say? He said, wait a minute. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. He pulled rank. He was the firstborn. He was the firstborn. What did he do? It looks like he had a good motive. He wanted to return Joseph to his father, but all he could say was, let's not kill him, shed no blood, but cast him into the pit. Now, Scripture reveals to us what Reuben had in mind. Right? I'll go back and get him later. But he didn't have the courage to do the right thing right then. He didn't have the courage to stand up and say, this is wrong. I am the oldest brother. I do have some authority here. Let's not do this. He didn't face his brothers. He just said, let's throw him over here. And later on, I'll come get him. I'll bail him out. His intention was to go back, pull him out and deliver him to his father. But Reuben didn't say what he was going to do. He was ashamed to use his authority to return Joseph then and there. Respectable neutrality. He was convinced that what they were doing was wrong, but he would not come out and stand alone. Now, I don't know about you, but I have I have done that. I have maybe not gone along with it. I've maybe not agreed with it, but I've not done anything to stop it. Whether it's a child being bullied in school or whether it's just something completely wrong. And we all know what even happens to us now as adults. Sometimes we stand up. Sometimes we don't. 
That's a tough word, respectable neutrality. In your heart of hearts, do you know what's right to do and what you ought to do? Did you know a grip? I want you to catch this scripture right here. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Agrippa is right here in this same place. He will not step over. He will not take courage and make that choice that he knows is the right choice. He remained, he decides to remain neutral. With Paul, you almost got me. You almost, you almost had me. But the cost was too great for Agrippa to follow Jesus. He was almost there. Reuben did not agree with what his brothers were going to do, but neither did he have the integrity or the courage to deliver Joseph to his brothers, to his father. Now, if we'll look at the brothers just for a minute, and I'm, I'm almost done. They cast him into a pit. Now, in reality, he's only going to live a couple days, two or three days. No water, no food. They know what's going to happen. If you continue to read the story, and I'm not going into real detail in Scripture on this, but what if you go and read, what they do next is they go eat. (laughs) Okay, we've gotten our job done. Let's go eat. While brother sits there and suffers. How could they do that? They were going to have a meal. They just left Joseph in a pit without water. He's going to die in a day or two. And here they were about to eat. How could they do such a thing? A hardened conscience makes people do strange things. Did anybody read in the newspaper about a a dad that beat his little 20-month or whatever until he broke his leg? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, I, I, I didn't read it all, but I don't think it went into details. But a hardened conscience... You know, these guys have lived with this brother and have gotten hard. Nothing's going to penetrate that. Nothing's going to penetrate that. Something is. It's just going to be a while. And unfortunately, it's Joseph. But how could they do that? A hardened conscience. While they were eating, they saw some Ishmaelites coming. Judah, seeing them, had second thoughts. Hey, let's sell them to the Ishmaelites. Let our hands not be on him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And we'll make a little money. It's a win-win. What does it say? Let's see. Read right here. It says, come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. What does it say when, number one, you're willing to kill your brother, but now you're content with selling him into slavery? Can you see when we're willing to go so far with a major sin, then a minor, a minor selling, it's not minor, sin seems almost like we've done a good deed. Can you follow what I'm saying? They are deceived. Imagine they were actually able to be at peace about selling their brother into slavery because the idea of selling him to the Ishmaelites was mild compared to what they were ready to do. It says they were content. 
another example of the deceitfulness of sin. Do we know what it is to sin so horribly that a lesser sin seems right? That is Satan's deception. Joseph, who the day before had been living in luxury and security with his coat of many colors, had gone from riches to rags. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. Jesus turned his back on the glory of heaven and earth. Though he was God, he thought it not a thing to be grasped, but became man, making himself of no reputation. It says in Luke 9, 58, that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. He turned his back on the royal diadem for a crown of thorns. Why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus do that? It says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. He willfully, Joseph did not willfully give up his rights. Jesus willfully gave up his rights. Jesus became nothing that your conscience and mine could be cleaned. Isn't that good? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for your presence and your power. Lord, I thank you for Sunday. And I thank you for the breakthrough over depression. And Lord, I ask you, I just ask you for your power and your presence here, Lord. Lord, I ask you for more. Lord, I ask you for true repentance. As Eileen put it in her in her testimony Sunday, that repentance isn't just the forgive, asking for forgiveness. Lord, we need to turn back to you. We need to turn our hearts to you. Help us, Lord, even as a, as a group, the, the size that we have here tonight. Help us to make that decision, to turn to you. And Lord, help us to be sensitive to our sin in our life. And to not grow cold and grow hard. And to justify our sin. Father, I am a victim of justifying doing the wrong things sometimes. Help me to have courage and strength. Lord, help this church to have the courage and strength to say no. No more. Whatever it costs me, I am not doing that anymore. I choose to go down the right path because I love you, Jesus. And I desire your blessing and your power in my life. I thank you, Lord. I can feel your presence right now. I can I, I, I can I can feel a turn and I just thank you, Lord, help us. It's so easy to get right to that edge and then pull back. Help us, Lord, to risk everything. To. To fall under your will. I thank you, Lord. You are so good to us. 
you have had so much mercy on us. Thank you, Jesus. Now just give us the breakthrough that we need this week. Come to our rescue. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of the week.